Welcome to the House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Oliver. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. Uh, I have a confession to make. Every single year, Morgan and I jump on the Christmas bandwagon earlier, okay? Um, We've already started setting up decorations. Anyone else setting up decorations here in November? Okay, you're my people. What about Christmas music playlists in the car? Okay, okay. Great, there's some people who don't think I'm crazy, but, uh, but mark my words, in a few years, it'll be October and the tree will be sneaking its way into our living room, okay? So just don't judge us. Uh, and in fact, don't judge me right now because I want to open up um, this message with a Christmas story, okay? I want to share about my favorite Christmas memory growing up as a kid, okay? The, mo- the most exciting Christmas morning. And the reason why I want to share this is that as a new dad, I have a renewed appreciation for parents, okay? If you're a parent in the room and you've ever, you know, decorated for Christmas and put things in boxes and wrapped things, it's a whole ordeal and uh, I'm starting to understand the weight of it, okay? Uh, We have to balance, as parents, full-time jobs and so many things. And on top of that, we got to be thinking about how to make the holidays special for our kids. And so uh, my parents did a great job uh, for me growing up. Uh, They went through so much work to make sure that Christmas was special for us uh, and that we had things that we really, really wanted for Christmas. And so uh, going back in time, it was the winter of 2006 and I wanted more than anything the brand new, soon to be released Nintendo Wii. Okay, I I wanted a Nintendo so bad. Wii Sports was calling my name and I told my parents every single day about it and uh, we actually um, woke up on November 19th, which is launch day, um, to get this thing. So my dad, on top of his job, who he commutes, uh, he woke up at 5.30 in the morning, and we drove to the closest future shop, which was 40 minutes away, okay? we It was like freezing cold. He poured the biggest cup of coffee into his mug, and we hit the road. And uh, we waited in line for hours, okay? For hours, we're, we're standing out in the cold uh, in, in the Vancouver area, and uh, we're uncomfortably close to, like, gamer people, okay? And, uh, you know, I, if you know what I mean by that, like, you, you know, okay? There was someone dressed up like Mario, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was a little bit out of the element for my dad. Uh, um, but despite that, he didn't complain whatsoever. He knew how much it meant to us to get this Wii. And so we're waiting there. Hours go by. We're uncomfortably close to people who haven't showered for weeks, okay? This is, this is the ordeal that we're in this morning. Finally, the mall doors open up, and we're rushing in. It's chaos. It's like, a, it's like the Black Friday event in the States, okay? Except Canadian, so it's like, oh, excuse me, you know? <laughs> like, we're rushing in to try and find one of these Nintendos, and we're going store to store. They're sold out. They don't have any left. You know, we can't get it. And finally, we rush into an EB Games, and out of the hands of an underpaid holiday worker, my dad is handed a Nintendo Wii. Let's give it up for my dad. Woo! We were stoked, okay? That that month couldn't go by any faster until Christmas morning came, and we ran down the stairs. Uh, We opened up the stockings. We opened up all the presents, and finally, there was one present left under the tree. 
the Nintendo. I open it up and I set it up. I put the little sensor bar on the TV and I grab the controllers, which literally are like a hazard. Those things flew around the room, okay? And uh, we played Wii Sports all morning. It was like the best Christmas morning ever. It's a, a moment we'll never, ever forget. And I, I, thank, I thank my parents so much that we had that experience. So this morning, the big idea for my sermon is that I want to remind you of the incredible worth of following Jesus. It's the most valuable and the most rewarding thing that we'll ever find in this life. And just like the joy my parents experienced on Christmas morning, seeing their kids stoked out of their mind, like screaming for Nintendo, um, we also have to realize that anything that's worthwhile, anything that's really valuable in this life, comes with a cost. You know, my parents didn't just wake up and boom, the Nintendo's under the tree. They had to work for it. That console was sold out for months, okay, up until the new year. So if my parents didn't wake up that morning, didn't put up with gamer people, they wouldn't have got the Wii for us. It was a small, small sacrifice, though, in comparison to the joy that we experienced as a family. So yes, there's a cost to following Jesus, but it's worth it. It's worth anything. Any sacrifice we can make in this life is worth it. But there is a sacrifice. There is a cost. The two go hand in hand. There's nothing more valuable than Christ and following him. The book of Matthew describes it this way. In Matthew uh, 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hit it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought the field. We're talking about the most valuable thing of all. We're talking about the same treasure, following Jesus. It's not just for an eternal home, which is important and great, but following Jesus changes our life every single day and molds us into new people, a new creation. It gives us hope for this life. It gives us joy, surpassing joy for those around us. So I want to remind you today of this amazing worth in a culture of competing priorities where often our faith gets pushed to the sidelines. I want to bring it right front and center where it should be and remind you this is worth it all. But to attain this treasure, we have to be willing to pay something. We have to be willing to give some things up in order to step in to all that God has for us. And I think this is so well demonstrated um, by Peter and his very first interaction with Jesus, um, stepping into and following his life. So on the screen, we're going to put Luke 5 verses 1 to 11 up. But if you have a smartphone and the Bible app, uh, you can also read along as well. This is what it says. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And so Simon answered, Notice this. Simon answered a little bit begrudgingly, okay? He was a little bit snarky to Jesus, right? I think it's so funny. Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down my nets. I feel like he wants to prove Jesus wrong, okay? Like I'm the fisherman around here, right? So they did so. They, and when they did, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in another boat to come and help. 
And when they came, they filled both boats to the full and they began to sink. This is crazy. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And he and all of the companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they'd taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats to the shore, left everything and followed him. Can I pray for us today? Jesus, we thank you so much that you're the same God that showed up on a dusty shore 2,000 years ago and called fishermen and random people to follow you, Lord God. And we pray right now, we, we know that the call is the same today as it was back then. Thanks that even though we're busy, we're distracted, we have so many things going on, that you invite us to follow you. And I pray that you will speak through this message, the words that people need to hear in this room, online, wherever people are hearing this, Lord God, would you speak to us right now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. I actually think it's so cool at the beginning of the story. There's a huge crowd pushing up against the lake and Peter's just working his day job. Okay. He's just cleaning the nets. He's trying to make a living. He's not necessarily part of the in crowd following Jesus, but for whatever reason, Jesus turns to him. And yes, Peter um, calls Jesus his master. Okay. He acknowledges that he's some sort of wise teacher, that he's someone of significant but it wasn't until after the miraculous catch, it wasn't until the miracle came that it all dawns in him. This was a man of God. And he says this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. In this moment, his life completely changed. He wasn't just thinking about his fish, the catch, and everything else. His priorities shifted completely. In this moment, Jesus went from being just a teacher on his boat to being the Lord of his life. And from this moment on, he stepped into a new life with new opportunities to follow Jesus with everything. So what are the costs to follow Jesus? What do we need to do to be able to follow him with everything? Well, first... We need to let Jesus be our Lord. We need Jesus to be the Lord of our life. Being a follower of Jesus isn't just about showing up at church every once in a while or, or watching a live stream. It really starts when we make that decision for ourselves, when we confess in our hearts that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. This is the great invitation to follow Jesus with everything. And it starts with this, saying, hey, he's Lord. Lord means someone or something having power, authority, or influence, being the ruler in your life. That's why in, in church and Christianity, we say, you know, Lord Jesus Christ. That's not his name, you know, his name was Jesus. But we acknowledge that he's Lord, that he's in charge of our lives. Looking at Peter's life, we know that after this moment, yes, his life completely changed. Yes, he started following Jesus, but he still made a ton of mistakes, and so if you're here and you're like, I've, I've, I've said that Jesus is Lord, but my life is still not right. That's okay. Even Peter messed up. Even Peter disowned Jesus. He even cut a guy's ear off. Okay, Peter really messed up from this point on. But from this moment on, he allowed God to have control of his life. He didn't turn back. He let Jesus be the king, to be in charge of everything. If you're new to church, you probably are thinking, 
Okay, this is kind of some strong language. Like, what what is really going on? This is this is, does not sound easy for me to say. Someone else is the Lord of my life, and we recognize that this morning. Okay, this is countercultural. Somewhere in our Western society, this just does not gel very well with what we're used to hearing and what we're used to seeing. We celebrate the self-made man or the independent entrepreneur, woman boss, you know, who works from home and. Be, creates an empire, okay? Those are the stories we celebrate and we and we love. We love the Elon Musk. Well, some people don't. Um, we love the Steve Jobs. Like, you know, these people that made it are the ones that were independent, that did it all by themselves. So this idea of allowing someone else to be in charge of our lives kind of rubs us the wrong way. And you see, that's exactly the cost that I'm referring to. It means something different to everyone for us to give up control of our life and say, hey, I put it in God's hands. But who would you rather trust, yourself or your creator? The God of the universe that came down, lived a life, gave his life for you to show us a new way to live and invites you to follow him. He's leading us. He's our ruler. Right now, as I mentioned before, uh, I, have a, I have a son. His name is Atlas. And he's so cute. Uh, and any parents in the room know that they grow up really fast, right? He's just started to crawl, okay? So he's crawling around. And once they start crawling, they don't stop, okay? He, he doesn't want to be held for that much longer at all. Like, he wants to be on the ground so he can explore and kind of do his thing. That's such a cute picture of him for Halloween. Um, we went to a trunk or treat. Um, but now that he's crawling, he's already wanting to start Walking, okay? He looks for ways to pick himself up and try to stand. And he stands up for a couple milliseconds and then he falls over, okay? He's, he's not quite there yet. He's still developing, still learning. And so the picture I want you to see today of what it means to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life is this. Whenever Atlas wants to actually walk, I kind of go and I grab his hands and I step forward and take him where he's supposed to go. He doesn't know how to walk on his own yet. He doesn't know what he's really doing yet, but he knows he wants to go somewhere. And I, as his father, hold his hand and lead him to where he's supposed to go. This is what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He wants to direct our steps. Sometimes we may want to go somewhere else. Sometimes we we doubt if Jesus is even taking us somewhere at all. But trust me, Jesus is taking you down the best path for your life. It may not be the easiest path, okay? It's not always smooth sailing, following Jesus. Tough times come. But if you push through, if you allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life, he will get you to the best place for your life. But what if we, we don't follow him? What if we turn on our own ways? What if we don't give up on Jesus. Well, then just like my son, we'll stumble and fall. On our own, we fall down. We make mistakes. We mess up. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't want to leave us there. That's exactly where Peter found himself, living his own life, trying to build his own kingdom. And when he encounters God, he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm just too sinful. Man, I'm so thankful the story doesn't end there. Jesus is like, you're right. (laughs) No, no, no. In the presence of God, yes, Peter is aware he's not God. Peter's aware of of his unworthiness to be associated with the creator of the universe. And I think that's an important step for us to have today too. Jesus isn't just like, our homie, or he's not like our best friends list. He's everything. He's created us. He's God. 
I'm sure if I was Peter too, I'd be a little intimidated standing next to the creator of the universe, okay? He sees everything I've done. He knows all the mistakes I've made. He knows the failures and the disappointments I've caused. But regardless, he still looks at me in love and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to be my friend. I want to associate with you. I want to use you. Jesus doesn't care about your past. He's calling you to follow him today. Maybe you've made mistakes and you just need to try again. That's okay. He'll take you back. Again, he's he's about second chances and 700th chances. Jesus is always here. He loves you. You're forgiven. Start again. Jesus invites him to be a fisher of men. And this phrase, it's not like a first century pun, you know, like, ha, you're a fisher, now you're a fisherman. Um, What this actually meant was it was a well-known idiom for being a teacher. A great teacher was the fisher of men in the first century. And so when Peter hears invitation, he knows that Jesus is calling him to leave his life and step into greatness. And that same call is here for you today. God wants you to step into the greatest, fullest, richest life if you let him be the Lord of your life. The second cost, and maybe the more challenging one for many of us in the room who have been following Jesus for a while, is we need to leave it all behind. Is there something right now in your life, and you know about it, that's holding you back from following Jesus with everything? And what is it? Maybe in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I know that if I spent less time doing this, or if I ended this, this relationship, that my relationship with God would change. What is it in your life? I think it's so crazy, this story. All he wanted to do was make a living, okay? He worked so hard, night and day, literally overnight. He was fishing all night. This guy was a hard worker. He just wanted some fish. Jesus shows up, and they caught more fish than he ever could have dreamed of. And then a sentence later, he walks away from it all. He leaves it behind. Was he he crazy? Was he out of his mind? Wasn't that exactly what he was living his whole life for? In this moment, this, this great catch of fish is basically like him going viral on first century YouTube, okay? He was the greatest fisherman of all time. His boat was sinking. I'm sure he had brand deals lined up. I'm sure he had speaking engagements lined up, motivational speaking opportunities. And he saw the great catch of fish. He saw the wealth that he just accumulated. He was rich. And without hesitation, he walked away from it all to follow Jesus and be homeless for three years. What? Why would he do that? Why? He didn't, know, he didn't know what was next. He didn't know what would happen. We know the end of the story. He, he became one of the greatest teachers and leaders of all time. But in that moment, he saw in the face of Jesus something worth giving everything for. All the wealth he ever could have dreamed of paled in comparison to following Jesus. Do we know that value? Or do we hold on to our things way too tightly? Do we realize the great worth, incredible worth of following Christ? In May 2010, uh, a computer programmer and early Bitcoin miner named Laszlo Hanyesh made a post on a Bitcoin forum offering 10,000 Bitcoin 
for two large pizzas, okay? Um, this is a while ago, okay? And I'm sure he asked for Hawaiian pizzas because he's classy, right? Uh, 10,000 Bitcoin for two large pizzas. And yes, someone took him up on the offer. To his door, they delivered two Papa John's pizzas. At this time, 10,000 Bitcoin was worth a whole $41, okay? You're coming out on top. Papa John's is expensive, okay? And he saw the pizza. He gladly received it. He stared at the box that said, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And he thought, this is the best decision I've ever made. He opened it up, transferred the Bitcoin, and he went on with his life. But if he'd known the value of the Bitcoin, if he'd known that in only a few short years, that 10,000 Bitcoins would be worth $690 million, he probably would have thought twice about it. You know what I mean? He, it, with that money, he could have bought the whole franchise of Papa John's. But instead, he didn't know what he was giving up. He didn't know the worth of the Bitcoin. It was gone in a moment. And I'm wondering this morning, do we make the same mistake? Do we just forget how valuable the salvation is? Do we just kind of minimize the role that God wants to play in our lives and just kind of put it on the shelf, maybe for Sunday for an hour and the rest of the week, we don't even think about it at all? Do we miss out on the great worth of following Jesus? Like I said at the beginning, it's the treasure. It's worth selling everything for to attain because Jesus is worth everything. And this isn't just a cute parable, you know, in the Bible. Sometimes God might actually be calling you to give something up to give anything and everything in order to follow him, in order to step into what he has for you. Yes, there's a cost, but it's completely worth everything. Like I said before, is there something in your life keeping you from following what Jesus has planned for you today? I'll invite the band to come up. Two years ago, it was early into the pandemic, okay? We're just, COVID was just kind of a thing, just starting out. We thought it would be gone, you know, by, by summer. Uh, and in that time, uh, Morgan and I had interviews with Pastor Chad and the team here at the house. Uh, and they invited us, they gave us the offer to be the leaders of the Sunday night ministry, uh, overseeing young adults, as well as youth and kids. And, um, we're a bit unsure at first, okay? We, we grew up in the Lower Mainland, so we heard that it was snowy and cold out here, you know? Apparently I was right. Um, and we were, were kind of on the fence for a while, like, should we do this, should we not? Um, but we, it came to a point where we really felt like God was calling us here to be a part of this church community, to see where God would take it next. And uh, we were like, okay, we're ready. So it was June at the time now, a few months passed by, and we jumped on a FaceTime call uh, with Chad, and we were so excited, okay? We were like smiling, you know, look at us, like, we're like, we want to move to Kelowna, let's go. And uh, I, can't, I can still remember Chad's face, um, his countenance changing when I told him, we're ready, we want, we want to take the job. He, it was the sad Chad face, if you've ever seen it, okay? He, his, his face dropped and fell, and he, and he told me that... Um, the, the, position, the position as next gen pastors at the house was no longer available. Um, we're not meeting in person. We don't know when this pandemic will slow down. Uh, we can't hire you. And we were so shocked. We were, were so embarrassed and we felt so awkward and we were really just devastated that uh, we felt like we got our hopes up. We felt like God was leading us to this great opportunity and it fell through completely. 
we didn't know when the pandemic was going to go away. We, we, we clearly thought that, you know, vaccines or whatever, things opening up would be a long, long time away. And so we just kind of put it on the shelf. We're disappointed. And, you know, we just didn't know what God was doing. The summer went on and, you know, we decided to, um, to do something different. We wanted to kind of um, not just sit around in Abbotsford and just kind of twiddling our thumbs. And so we started looking at houses, okay? So uh, we called the real estate agent and we looked around and we got a little down deposit and the interest rates were so low two years ago, guys. They were amazing. And so we went and we saw this condo. It was a top floor, vaulted ceiling condo in Abbotsford, right downtown. It was beautiful. And best of all, it allowed pets. Okay? So we were pretty excited. We, we put an offer on it. Us and our dog and our little dog Hunter were going to move into a beautiful new-ish condo in Abbotsford. And they accepted the offer. We were stoked out of our minds. We had DIY projects going through our heads. Okay? We were going to be homeowners, okay? This is a dream we've wanted for so long, and uh, it was all coming true, and we're so excited and so um, so blessed, and like I said, the interest rates were super low at the time. It was a no-brainer. The day after we bought the house, I got a text from Chad, and you can imagine how the story ends, but we're like, okay, whatever. So the day after that, uh, we're in the middle of closing subjects. We're like bringing in the inspector. We're like looking at strata minutes and we jump on a FaceTime call with Chad. Uh, and it's August of 2020. And he's like, you know what? We're meeting in person, 50 people. This is a great time to hire two pastors and, and bring you guys on staff. Can you come next month? And we were like, what? Like, we totally thought this was not gonna happen. This was out of the realm of possibilities. We bought a house, and he's like, "Oh, that's, that's, it's your problem." <laughs> and, uh, and so we sat there, and we—I wish I could say in that moment I was like, "Yes, we're coming. See you in two weeks. You know, we'll be there for fall kickoff." Um, but we had to actually process all the information. We had to process this big decision, and we did. And Morgan and I talked about it, and it was clear to us that we didn't want a material possession even a house, to be something that held us back from stepping into what we felt like God was calling us to do. So we walked away from the condo and we just started packing up our things and putting things on Facebook Marketplace. Funny enough, one of the things that we sold on Facebook Marketplace, the seller of the house actually tried to buy from Morgan. And, uh, and then I think she realized that it was us, the person who burned her and didn't buy her place. And she stopped messaging Morgan completely. But um, do I feel bad about denying this offer, about annoying this seller? Not at all. A house, although could be nice, I would have made a ton of equity by now. But in exchange for following God's plan for my life, no way. No way. It's worth every cost. I'm so glad that I chose a step into what God had for me rather than just holding on to things so tightly that I couldn't let God have it. Money can't be the main motivator of your life. At the end of your life, if you have a great RSP, if you have a huge bank account, but you said no to opportunities to be used from God, was it worth it? And yes, it's important to invest and save and be wise. We're all about stewardship. 
But sometimes there's moments, divine moments, where God is calling you to let something go and you need to say yes. On the other end of it is so much more worth it to step into it. And from our lives, we've seen so much fruit and we made so many great connections here and we see God do crazy, amazing things. And what if we hadn't? What if we said no? Sometimes you need to get rid of something, even a good thing, to pursue the greater thing that God has for your life. This is the cost of following Jesus. Letting Jesus be Lord of your life. He is Lord, whether you acknowledge it or not. But we each have to make our own decision to say, hey God, you're Lord of my life. And then sometimes you need to leave it all behind. Maybe if you're watching this online or you're newer to church here and this idea of leaving it all behind sounds very risky or like cult-like, okay? You're like, are you gonna send me to work on a farm? You know, this is weird. It's not like that at all. What leaving it all behind means is that you gotta be willing to give something up if God calls you to walk away from it. Often that's making a change in your life that is causing you to be distracted. Maybe for you, that's a bad habit. You just need to break Allow God to take it, get rid of it, and step into all that God has for you. Or maybe you're in a relationship and it's just toxic, okay? You're, you got a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they're dragging you down a path that you don't want to go in and you're compromising. Leave that relationship. It's not worth it. Maybe for you, it's just sports or work. You're so busy. You're so consumed with so many things. You have no time to follow God or build healthy community. You need to walk away from something today. Here's the thing, sometimes leaving it all behind is a big moment, you know, in a church service. You know, we pray for you and your whole life changes when you walk out of here. But for most people, especially people who have been following Jesus for a while, like it's more of a gradual process. My hope and desire from you is that in five years time, your life looks different. You're more freed up to follow Jesus. Your priorities have changed and your life is so much more fruitful because you learned to say no to things that seemed good but weren't God's best for your life. It can start with a moment and everything can change. We're about to enter into a time of praise and worship, but I want you guys to think about these two costs that I shared with you this morning. And maybe for someone in the room today, you're ready to take a step of faith. There's two groups of people that I want to pray for. I'm not going to get you to come up here and give me a high five or anything like that. Um, if you are seriously making a first-time decision to follow Jesus, we got free Bibles and cards at the back you can grab. But um, I just want, when I'm praying for these two people, if that's you this morning, just to think in your heart, that's me. God, I need to make things right. The first group of people is those who want to say, Jesus is my Lord for the first time or for the second time, if you felt like you've pushed God away in your life. In Romans, there's so many verses on this idea of confessing in your life that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. We're not exactly sure when the salvation moment takes place for everyone. We're all on a different journey, but at some point, I hope that you acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life, letting him be in charge. And maybe for someone it's this morning while you're listening to me speak. When I pray, if that's you, in your heart, just say, Jesus is Lord. And the second group of people, and I'm sure there's a few people here, there's something in your life that's holding you back from following Jesus. And you know what it is. 
You know what it is. I'm not going to say it out loud. That'd be spooky. Um, but, but there's something that's slowing you down, something you need to give up, you need to leave behind in order to follow God with everything. For some people, that moment is happening this morning. For others, it's going to be a few weeks from now. You're going to remember this message and you're going to be like, okay, this is something that I need to give up to follow Jesus. So when I pray, please respond in your heart if that's one of the two things that you need to do today. Let's bow our heads if you're comfortable and pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for, for my own life that you're in charge. My life is so much more worth living with you behind the steering wheel. I pray for someone in the room today. They've come to church, they've checked this out, but they've never made a decision to make you Lord of their life right now, God. I pray for them and I hope they pray with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And God, I pray for someone else in the room that they've been holding on to something so tightly and they know it's taken them away from following after you with everything. It's most likely not a material possession. Most likely it's a habit or a friendship that is toxic. But I pray if there's anything that we're gripping too tightly that's holding us back, would we let it go this morning? We let it go. We leave it all behind. God, would you bring us into the deep waters where the miraculous happens, where your goodness happens and you take control. Would you lead us into the deep waters today? Thank you for this time we have together in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand uh, and worship with me, church?